the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. The world is a game of inches. Life is a game of inches. I use that clip from a famous speech from uh, the movie Any Given Sunday. Because, you know what, the more I get exposed to uh, different people and different uh, different experiences, I realize, you know what, everything, you know, everybody's life is the same. Everybody's life is different. Uh, you know, life is a world of inches, and, you're, and you have to gain them. Wherever you can, wherever you can, you get a little little uh, advantage here, a little advantage there. You learn stuff from everyone you come in contact with, and uh, those of you, those of you that uh, think you're done learning, you've learned all yourself, all you can. You know, I know everything I'm going to need to know for the rest of my life. You're wrong, and uh, if you're not growing, you're decaying. So uh, I'm just trying to keep growing because I don't want to decay. <clears throat> not that I feel any of that decay happening uh coming up on my 54th birthday in a few months um but you know what it's just the the months and the and the years just sure go a lot faster after you hit the big 50 um maybe it's maybe it's gets faster when you hit 60 i don't know i'll find out in in 6 years um so i just got back from the mastermind summit in las vegas mastermind summit is a uh is a uh, big conference of loan originators and mortgage people, and it's not geared towards um, it's not geared towards like a like a mortgage bankers association conference about talking about regulations and and policy. It's more talking talking about how do we survive this this business called the mortgage business, and how do we deal deal with the the 
the chaos, the chaos, the regulations and everything that goes with it. And you know, this year was uh, quite interesting in that it's more of the speakers, more of the speakers. I mean, I would say half of the speakers weren't even talking about the mortgage business. They're talking about life and uh, dealing with what we have. You know, hey, I don't like the fact that the that I'm paying 52% in income tax uh, between state and federal now, but I'm still going out there and making as much as I can anyway, um, whereas uh, a lot of the companies out there that are making lots of money aren't expanding because they're waiting for taxes to go down so that it makes sense for them to invest. Um, I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about some of the the things that I met I uh, that I learned there. Um, had the opportunity to meet George W. Bush, get my picture taken with him. Um, we're buddies now. Um, he he'll remember me by name, uh, sir. Uh, I will remember him by name, uh, Mr. President. So, but I'm gonna, I'm going to give you some of the experiences there. And uh, but first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, President Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located in the city of Moreno Valley, also offices in Temecula, Corona, Orange, Westlake Village, and Downey, and coming soon somewhere near or far from you as well. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and believe me, there are fantastic opportunities out there, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, day or night, toll-free, 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk to me, you want to get some information from me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you don't want your, you don't want someone hearing your business, or uh, you're just not a talker. You know, you want to, you're a, you're a cyber person. You just want to email. Go on to edhoffman.net, e d h o f f m a n dot net. Click on apply now and uh, fill out the uh, fill out the form. Give me as much information as you want to give me, and let me know how much information you want back from me. And uh, I will give you, uh, you'll hear from me or uh, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, or Alex Rojas, my teammates. And uh, we will hook you up, so to speak. Um, If you want to hear something replayed, you can also on edhoffman.net, click on list of the main event. And you can hear this show as well as four past shows. And you can also get me on iTunes. Uh, Go to iTunes, search Ed Hoffman, and you can get my podcast in. And uh, you can subscribe for free. And it'll download on your phone or your i your iPhone, your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your computer once a week, and uh, you can listen whenever it's convenient for you. Um, again, if you want to get in touch with me, eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. So in real estate this week, rates are in the toilet. Um, I suspect it's uh, more of the of the of the government lying to us, like I discussed last week. Um, Last week, last week we seemed to seem to look like they were getting better. Um, on Thursday and Friday of this week, or Wednesday and thir- well, Thursday and Friday, Thursday, Thursday there was a sell-off in the European uh, market, which caused the bond, our bonds to fall to fall fall through the floor. And as the bond prices go down, interest rates go up. So if you can imagine that you got a hundred dollar savings bond, hey, it's worth a hundred bucks, but you only have to pay ninety eight bucks for it, and it's worth hundred bucks in two years. Okay, so you made two percent over two years. Um, if you if the price goes down, if the price of that bond goes down, you only have to pay ninety six dollars, and you made four percent. Four percent. Well, <clears throat> not actually four percent because that's, but it's a you know four point something percent over those those two years. So um, as the bond prices go down, your interest rates go up. So um, European market fell apart on on uh, on Thursday. Uh, 
brought some panic to the market. The bonds bonds fell through the floor. And then again on Friday, Friday now, typically bad economic news create makes good interest rates. But and the, tell me and tell me uh, if this makes any sense to you. And this is gonna be the this is gonna be the key to whether you're a thinker or not, because people President Obama got elected because he knows that most people don't think. And, you know, when David Gruber said uh, we only passed uh, Obamacare because the American voter is stupid and everybody was appalled, I say, you know, what are you getting mad at him for? He's telling the truth because I think I think I think they should make the uh, the voting day one day only and make it inconvenient. So if it's not important to you, it's just going to be if it's not important to you, don't make it too convenient. And um and you know the and just make employers hey if you want to vote you can get off i guess uh or take some time off i i make sure i tell all my people to vote and uh and i give them a little extra lee, leeway to go go in the morning or take a little longer lunch or do whatever uh, make sure you vote the point is um this week on uh on friday we got our unemployment report or the employment the employment numbers came out and it said in may we had 280,000 new jobs which is good but the unemployment rate went from 5.4 to 5.5. Hmm. Does that make sense to you? Is that where I come from, the unemployment goes up when less people are getting jobs and more people are losing jobs. This week, this this time the or for May, we created there was a lot of jobs created and not as many unemployment claims which should make the unemployment rate go down, but for some reason it went up. What's inconsistent here? How are they doing that? I now I know the 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 unemployment rates are going by by a uh, a, a national survey of fifty five hundred homes, which doesn't make much sense to me that they that they put this much information and base it on a survey of fifty five hundred in a uh, in a country of uh, almost four hundred million, but apparently that's how it works. But uh, my suspicion is when when the economic information is good and the unemployment rate goes up, that somebody's lying. So uh, so the interest rates uh, interest rates went down got or went down. The bond prices went down again on Friday and making the rates get even worse. I suspect there will be a correction in a month. But the moral of the story is rates are still great. So if you if you were thinking about refinancing and you dragged your feet, hey, it is what it is. Um, rates are still good. Um, call in at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty and let's get it done before it gets any worse. If the uh, if the um, if you have been searching for a house or or have been thinking about buying a house, it's still a great time. Inventory is good. Inventory is good, and uh, there's houses out there. Even if you're an investor. If you keep your finger on the pulse, there's good deals that pop up for uh, for houses that you can that you can buy and flip and uh, turn a little profit. They're not like they were in 2008 and 2009, 2010, um, but they are uh, but they are good. There are some good deals out there, and there's some there there are a lot that are making uh, making sense to buy them, fix them up, and hold them. And uh, because the market seems to be going up between uh, four and ten percent, I think last year it was uh, eight something in California, and eight uh, percent in the last twelve months. And um, so there's there's great opportunity, and rents are going up. So as rents go up, as rents go up, that makes your uh, 
your deal, your uh, your investment property more profitable. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, call me toll free eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. So I went to Mastermind. Let's talk about Mastermind, and then we'll talk about some politics. Um, went to Mastermind this week. Learned learned uh, learned a lot. You know, I've I've been in this business. I've been in the mortgage business for uh, 27, 28 years, um, and I know everything. I know everything there is to know. I'm the best loan officer in the whole world. Um, however, uh, corporate president, I'm learning. I'm keep I keep learning and learning and learning. And plus the plus the the target keeps moving. So uh, so you got to keep plugging in. Plugging in, plugging in, and the and not ju- not just the market is moving, not the the regulations are moving, and the uh, and the world is changing. So some of you guys that are in the mortgage business that don't attend these things, you're missing it. You wonder why you just haven't ever gotten over three loans a month going. It's because you're not plugging in. You're not plugging in. You're not plugging in. You don't think you need to. You don't think you need to learn. And uh, if you're not growing, you're decaying. So, but I got a I got a chance to uh, listen to a lot of speakers and learned a lot of stuff. And the the highlight of it was uh, George W. Bush spoke. And uh, and I'll talk about that first. Um, George W. Bush, um, what a what a uh, awesome reception he got. I'm assuming that most uh, most mortgage guys aren't happy about what's going on in this country and what has happened to our industry. So maybe he got a maybe he got a, a warmer reception there. Maybe maybe people are appreciating the fact that he was a humble uh guy with, with good character and uh and was doing the things that made sense for our country. And now that the polar opposite um Satan is our president and uh and uh, he's doing everything we can to to undo what Bush did, undo what Reagan did, undo what Kennedy did, undo what Martin Luther King did, all, everything in the last 50 years that have been big steps for America, Barack Obama's turning it back. Now if you know someone who voted for him or that's someone in the mirror, then uh then I blame you. And uh, and if you know somebody, if you know somebody, then you should blame them. And uh, and since it's not allowed to kill people, it's not legal to kill people. I recommend that you just educate them and make sure that by 2016 that they know the truth um, and stop listening to the to the little uh, blips on the internet and the you know hey pay attention, pay attention. But a couple of things. Uh, Couple things that, and I've seen George W. Bush uh, speak uh, before, and some of the stuff he said, um, he said, uh, he said, he said before as well. But I'll, I'll go over all this stuff. You know, one of the things he said, the things he misses about being president, because somebody yelled out that we miss you, and uh, we do, we miss him. And um, he th- said the thing, the thing that he uh, missed the most was he had to stop at red lights uh, between uh, getting off the plane and going over to the hotel. And uh, you don't have to do that when you're president, but uh, he said. But he said just which is the which is the the thing that I the the message I think he brings brings most when he's talking people. I think he should be on the on the talk show circuit and and say the same things he said. He said, you know, you don't know. You have to know what you don't know. When you're president, you have to know what you don't know. And he said, when the when the financial meltdown happened, he goes, "Hey, I, you know, I, I understand the economy, but I don't know how fiscal po- policy is set." And he goes, "But you know, I have a friend Hank Paulson that did, and I asked him to be Secretary of the Treasury. And when the the meltdown happened, I asked him, "Hey, 
what do you, uh, you know, what does this mean to us? And you know, hey, this we could be going into a depression, and uh, and these are the these are the options. And the option was TARP and uh, the Troubled Asset Recovery Program or Relief Program, whereas we the American people uh, spent eight hundred billion dollars uh, bailing out the banks. And uh, he said, you know, I don't want to bail out Wall Street. I didn't want to be the president that bails out Wall Street um, because I'm a I'm a free market capitalist, and Wall Street should you know should grow and grow and fall on its own. It's, you know, it should. That's how the how the market should work. Government should come in and prop them up. But it was the best thing at the time, and it has since been all paid back. Plus, uh, with interest, uh, all that TARP money, eight hundred billion, has been repaid to the. Uh, to the government since then. And, uh, and I think of all the bailouts that the government did, in my opinion, that was the only one that was, that was uh, legitimate that we needed to do. Um, but he said, Hey, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So you surround yourself with people that, that do know, but you have to listen to them. When you get into something you're not, you're not familiar with, you have to talk to your people that you surrounded yourself with. And that's one thing that Barack Obama doesn't do. He was he was careful to say that uh, careful to say that you know there's an unwritten rule that when you're an ex president that you don't you don't uh, you don't talk bad things of the sitting president. I don't think uh, I don't th- I think he's probably the only living president that understands that because Jimmy Carter certainly didn't understand it, and I'm certain that uh, Barack and Michelle won't understand that either. Uh, I think they'll be going on the on the talking circuit in doing not what what George W Bush did is say hey no no cameras no no recording no video actually this time was no taking notes even so I'm I'm talking from memory he told a story about uh world leaders and he talked about uh well I'll I'll leave that for next he he talked about the 80 20 80 20 uh um rule everybody knows 80 20 80% of the people pay uh 20% of the people pay 80% of the uh all the taxes Twenty percent of the people uh, in any company do eighty percent of the production. Twenty um, percent of the he said as a president, twenty percent twenty percent of your of of the job as the president is the problems that come your way. He said eighty percent of the job is how you deal with them. And uh, and he's talking about nine eleven. And he's saying you know what he was uh, he he thought he was going to be the education president. Didn't realize he was going to be a wartime president. And he's sitting in a in a classroom, and there's a girl, a little little uh, third grader or fourth grader or second grader, how old? And she's she's reading reading to to George W. Bush, um, you know, four feet away. And when Andy Card came and whispered in his ear that the he's you know the first the first plane hit, they thought it was an accident. The second plane hit was uh, they realized it was terrorism. And when the third plane hit the Pentagon, he realized it was a declaration of war. Um, Something that we don't apparently escapes our current president when uh, people keep bombing us and they don't. Hey, you know, Islam is a is a peaceful religion, and it's this isn't the religion. It's it's not Islam. It's just bad people. It's it's just bad things happen. So uh, so he 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 said, "What is my job?" And he he said he's sitting there, and you know the the media has given uh, Bush bad marks for his his uh, look on his face. That while they're filming him, when he just got told, and he said, "I'm looking at this little girl," and I say, "My job is to protect her and protect her family, and not cause not cause panic." And you know, they he he realized what was going on, but he didn't want to cause panic, and his responsibility was to protect that little girl, 
and all those kids in the class and all their parents, and that's that's what the job is. And uh, he said the reality is, he goes, and now 14 years later, that enemy is still out there. And he goes, and to think that we're just going to be nice to them, if we just be nice to them, that they'll be nice to us, is just not reality. And uh, he, I don't know, to me that sounds like he was saying bad stuff about uh, President Obama. Um, so I applaud him for that, for uh, actually being honest. And uh, he talked about it. He talked about uh, uh, meeting Vladimir Putin. He talked about having uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, he had him at Crawford at his ranch there, and he had him at the White House. And at one time he had him at uh, Camp David when, and uh, at the time he had a little black Scottish terrier named Barney. And uh, and he said, hey, let me introduce you to Barney. And, uh, you know, Barney's a little Scottish terrier. Now, I... Don't think much of little Scottish Terriers. I'm a St. Bernard guy. I have a St. Bernard named Tank. He's 210 pounds. He's big. He's beautiful. He's slobbery. He makes a mess. And he's a man dog. Okay? Some of you guys like uh, like little purse puppies. I don't. Um, I would prefer that Tank didn't slobber as much as he did, but that's the that's the uh, the the charm of St. Bernard's. But uh, Vladimir Putin didn't think much of Barney. And... Uh, and, and George W. wasn't that concerned about making impressing uh, the head of head of Russia with his dog, but he said a couple a year later or so he's at the equivalent in Moscow outside of Moscow at the equivalent of, of Camp David where where uh, where Vladimir Putin has uh, to, as a retreat, and uh, Vladimir Putin made a special uh, special case to say, hey, let me introduce you to my dog, and he says a big hound dog. And he goes, and he showed him, he goes, bigger, faster, stronger, better than Barney. And he goes, and, and he goes, you know what? This is the mentality of the guy who who is head of Russia. He goes, you, you, you think about where things are coming from, where where people are coming from, and and the and the what is the mentality of someone like that? And uh and he starts, you know, uh analyzing, assessing our our uh, our counterparts in other countries talked about education and uh in relation to you know education in this country and uh he talked about how he was talking to to uh to somebody who was a high school teacher and he says i i hate i hate my job now he goes the, the kids get get here they can't read how can i teach them if they can't read and he says you know what they can't read why why are we finding out at high school they can't read we need to have a uh, some kind of a a test at fourth grade in fourth grade. So at fourth grade, if you can't read, then let's do something about it at the fourth grade and not wait till they get into high school. And just, and then, then, uh, they get to there and they said, they find out that, that, uh, typically in education that, uh, what you learn, you learn more from homework than you learn from the classes. So, you know, the teacher teaches the classes, then you go home and you do your homework and that's where you really learn it. Cause you're doing stuff yourself. He said, but, uh, what, what they were talking about was that uh, the the uh, lower income and the the minorities don't have a, a good healthy place at home to do their homework, and so they weren't learning as much. So hey, the the poor black kids and the poor uh, Hispanics they don't have a you know a clean quiet place to do their homework. Um, so uh, for one reason or another, and as a as a result, they're not they're not uh they're not doing as well as as some of the more affluent kids or as some of the some of the kids that have both parents at home. 
And uh, so he said to set some standards to what has happened in the past. Well, they don't. You make an excuse for that. Hey, they don't have the the opportunities that some of the other kids are. So you lower the standards. He and he called that the soft bigotry of low low expectations. Well, you're black and you probably don't have a dad at home, and so let's just lower the expectations for everybody. Why don't we just bring up the expectations and let's make sure that those those black kids and those Hispanic kids, along with the white kids, know how to read before they go on to the next to the next. Uh, Great. Instead of pushing them out of high school, can't read, can't write, don't have it. Then you can say, hey, I don't have the same opportunities you do because I can't read. You know, it was uh, it was quite, quite refreshing to hear uh, George W. Bush talk about talk about the office of the presidency. He goes, you know, it's not the office of the presidency. You know, the people respect the office. It's not the person. He has no illusions that he that people respected him because of how special he was. It was because he he was doing that office and he had a responsibility to fill by being there. So unlike our current president. Hey, I'm out of time for part one of the main event. So we'll talk about some more some more stuff after we come back with after some uh, commercials and traffic and weather. Don't go away. I'll be right back. And we're back with part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you want to get in touch with me, you need some uh, you need some uh, financing for real estate. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. You're not going to hear a lot about real estate on my show because, you know what, uh, mortgages, and, uh, mortgages and interest rates and all that stuff, we all get our money the same place. It all happens. We all have the same products. The difference is... Does the guy you're dealing with have any common sense? Hopefully uh, you hear me talk about things that are important and you'll know if I have common sense and if you need something in the mortgage line, then call me 855-640-2020 or go on to edhoffman.net and uh, click apply now and tell me what you need. So I was talking about uh, having had the opportunity to meet George W. Bush. I actually got a chance to, uh, after the show, to actually uh, walk up and shake his hand and say, it's an honor, Mr. President. And I said, we do miss you. And he goes, oh, you're you're being kind. And I said, no, we miss you bad. I'm not just being kind. We miss we miss your character bad. Um, I wish I had a chance to talk to him a little bit more and see if I could schedule him for an interview on the main event. But uh, I didn't because there was lots of Secret Service guys around and there was another uh, 25 people besides me that got to get their picture taken. So uh, so after uh, after George W. Bush talked, we got to listen to. Uh, uh, Damon John, the guy from Shark Point, the black guy on Shark Points, and or on Shark Points on Shark Tank, and uh, and he was uh, he basically told his story, told his story and the story of success. He didn't talk about uh, mortgages. He talked about the story of success, about building his brand, and he had uh, five Shark Points. And the and the thing that hit to me is that hey, if you're successful in anything, if you if you run a successful bike shop, if you're a successful contractor, if you've got a successful internet company or a successful mortgage company, or if you're success in the in the uh, manufacturing something or creating your brand, you know, you paid a price. You paid a price. So Damon John had uh, had these five uh, these five points. He called them shark points because it was S H A R K. Um, although I think he reached a little bit, um, reached a little bit for uh, how to how to make these things. Uh, the first one was set goals because if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a goal, you're not gonna you know they're not gonna hit it. Uh, your next was do your homework, take inventory. Uh, know, know what, know what you're doing in your, in your business, know how your business should run, understand about, learn about business, learn, learn. And some of that's learning the hard way. I know that 
he talked about learning the hard way because he, you know, he he made five hundred dollars on one transaction. On the way back, he rear-ended someone. He was so excited, wasn't paying attention. It cost five hundred bucks to fix the other guy's car. And then when he got some big order, they had some crazy idea to get this order out of a convention in Las Vegas, and they got all these orders. And he learned about uh, having to put up the money. He learned about the float. And I will tell you, uh, the float is why most people aren't in business because it costs so much money to make so much money. But you don't you don't have to worry about, hey, well, I can't do that. You know what? I built my company one loan at a time, one person at a time. And along the way, we just didn't spend all the money, so we had some money for the float. And uh, then we learned how to use other people's money, uh, OPM, other people's money, other people's other people's uh, uh, management, other people's. Uh, there was a whole bunch of things that uh, that uh, Damon brought up. But OPM was not just other people's money; it was a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, set goals, do your homework. The the uh, third one is amore. Uh, do what you love. You know, amore means amore. You know, love and uh, do what do what you uh, do what you love, so that you know, get in a. If you're going to start a business, do what go after go after or work in a organ in a business that you love. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of some of the guys at the thing said, "Hey, you know, the mortgage business kind of repetitious. It gets boring. I'm not bored by it. I like it because every every uh, new every new transaction is a new puzzle, and uh, so I still love that." Uh, R is remember you're the brand. Okay, that would be a B. But remember you're the brand. Talking about you're always the brand. People buy you. He talked about how on Shark Tank, at Shark Tank, you know, you come out and and it's between 13 minutes and and uh, eight hours, but they clip it down to a few minutes that you see on TV. And he says that uh, in the first 30 seconds, uh, when people walk out, they know before they've opened up their mouth, the team has has pretty much decided whether they're going to buy 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 into their idea or not. And uh, so that means think about what you're doing if you're a brand. Think about what you put on your Facebook. Think about what you put on your Instagram. Think about what you do out there because it all relates to you. You are the brand. Don't ruin your brand because you think you want to do something cute on on Facebook or Twitter or something. Be careful about what you're doing. And the last part was keep moving. He talked about uh, the the uh, the Finding Nemo movie because he's got two little girls and uh, talking about keep on swimming. K was keep on swimming um, and just don't quit. And he talked about his whole story, and it was quite inspirational. And um, you know, it's uh, I didn't think I was going to like him because the opening of of his little video was uh, was uh, had President Obama saying something, and then uh, and then after he first came on, he goes, "Did President Bush just open for me?" And I'm going, I think he's being kind of disrespectful, but he was just being funny, and uh, he also uh, talked. Talk smack behind the back of his partners on Shark Tank, and then at the end he told told about how they were all they all loved each other and and they were good friends and all that stuff for uh, Barbara Corcoran and uh, Mark Cuban and I forget the other guy the other guy that he said was uh, the biggest shark of them all. Um, so anyway, there's there's life lessons out there, folks. If uh, if you're in life, you're gonna pay your price. If you're uh, if you're if you're not paying your price, you're not going to be climbing the ladder of of success and success not necessarily being being money, but it's money and love and respect and uh, and uh, you know a place spiritually with your God. Um, I relate that to uh, something that's going on right now. I saw Hillary Hillary Clinton has a uh, has a new uh, commercial out there. No, I think there maybe this is the Republican commercial about Hillary. But listen listen to this. 
Because we're going to have to stand up to the people who want to keep the deck stacked in favor of those at the top. We're going to have to fight to make sure that the success of our country is shared across the economy. And you know the statistics. Something is wrong when top CEOs earn 300 times more than the typical American worker. Or here's my latest least favorite statistic. The 25 biggest hedge fund managers earn more than all the kindergarten teachers in America combined. Let's see. Hedge fund managers manage money for millions of people, and they probably have been uh, fighting to get up there uh, and put lots of years in in preschool teachers. Kindergarten teachers are babysitters. Hmm. Who should make more money? And uh, and and isn't your son-in-law Chelsea Clinton's uh, a husband a, he- a big hedge fund manager, uh, Miss uh, Mrs. Clinton? Uh, talk about hypocrisy! And you know what? It's just not fair. Guess what? You want to succeed? Pay the price. Pay the price. Okay, let's go on to uh, the the other most exciting thing that I've heard all week. Um, the other thing the most exciting thing, uh, my candidate, Rick Perry, announced his presidential bid uh, this week. And uh, let's play a couple of clips from his, uh, from his, uh, his, uh, his presidential announcement. The truth is, we're at the end of an era of failed leadership. We have been led by a divider who has sliced and diced the electorate, pitting American against American for political purposes. Six years into this so-called recovery, and I might add our, our economy is barely growing. This winter, it actually got smaller. Our economic slowdown is not inevitable. It just happens to be the direct result of bad economic policy. Absolutely correct. Bad, bad economic policy. High taxes, uh, high regulation um, makes, it, makes it not easy. You know, uh, Rick Perry, uh, uh, I had opportunity to see him a few years ago and actually meet him, have my picture taken with him uh, at an event that the radio station put on uh, in Pomona. And at the time, he was going from state to state getting companies to move to Texas. And you know why? Because Texas has, has less regulations and less taxes. And for big companies, you know why, uh, you know why, uh, Toyota, their corporate offices or their corporate, uh, I don't exactly know exactly what, what they did, did there at their corporate offices in Torrance that moved, but it was a whole bunch of jobs that moved from Torrance to, uh, to Texas, uh, I don't know, a year or two ago. He was out there doing it. He was going from state to state to get some big corporations to move their their uh, businesses to Texas and sell them on the fact that there was a more business-friendly environment. Guess what? There's a whole bunch of uh, countries out there that have our businesses at them, like China. Again, they don't have as much regulation, and they don't have as much taxation. And so some big companies like, I don't know, Apple, uh, the people that made that thing that you have in your on your, on your desk or your back pocket – um, there, that iPhone thing, um, they have, they build those things in China. So why? Because it's more business, business friendly and they don't have to pay all the money to the government for it. So, uh, so yeah, is he, is he a failed, failed presidency? Hell yeah. He, uh, turned back uh, what George W. Bush did by letting Iraq go. He, uh, what would have been George W. Bush's, uh, um, legacy when the Middle East actually, it might've been 10, 12, 15, 20 years from now. When we actually saw 
less less uh less fighting and terrorism because Iraq grew into a free country and the other countries uh caught on and then overturned their own governments and and uh and emulated them um he turned back what uh Reagan did by restarting the cold war he turned back what Martin Luther King did by uh by uh uh in, by reigniting the race wars and uh and now uh now that he's buddying up with Cuba you can say he turned back what uh what John F Kennedy did and uh so yeah he's been a, this has been a failed presidency let's go to the next clip the president's tax and regulatory policies have slammed the door shut of opportunity for the average american who's trying to climb the economic ladder resigning the middle class to stagnant wages to personal debt to deferred dreams Weakness at home has led to weakness abroad. The world has descended into a chaos of this president's own making. While his White House loyalists, they construct an alternative universe where ISIS is contained, that Ramadi is merely a setback where the nature of the enemy can't be acknowledged for fear of causing offense, where the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism, the Islamic Republic of Iran, can be trusted to live up to a nuclear agreement. You know, this stuff seems like common sense when, when he says that and the way the economic policy works and how the how, what we're, how we're dealing with our foreign... foreign uh, uh, our foreign uh what's the word i'm looking for our foreign how our foreign policy is and how we're dealing with other countries it all seems common sense i'll tell you uh, rick perry talked at the ie uh unite ie conservative conference in february and i will tell you that of you know you listen to all the candidates and all the candidates sound good and they all make sense but i'll tell you rick perry made me feel like i was listening to ronald reagan made you feel proud to be an american again made you feel like he he's strong that he he understands what has to happen and in the economy he understands how you deal with the uh with our uh, foreign adversaries and how to deal with the world he knows how to how to how to uh, uh legislate he's uh, been a, been in government for a while and i don't know that that's necessarily a positive but he he understands what needs to be done and he has a proven track record. And I'll tell you that you know when when I was listening to him uh, speak live in uh, in Riverside, I tell you the hairs are on my arms are all all standing on end because I would just was just that's the kind of president I want. I want a president who's who's in, not only smart and intelligent and uh, has character, but inspires me because if he's inspiring me, he's inspiring everybody else. That's what was great about Ronald Reagan. Let's go to the next clip. No decision has done more harm than the president's withdrawal of American troops from Iraq. Let no one be mistaken. Leaders of both parties have made grave, grave mistakes in Iraq. But in January of 2009, when Barack Obama became commander-in-chief, Iraq had been largely pacified. America had won the war, but our president failed to secure the peace. Exactly. We walked away and could have left could have left a residual force there. You know, by us walking out and saying, "Hey, we're done. You guys got to protect yourselves." It's like raising your kid till uh, "Hey, you can read now. You're six. You can read, you can you can wash your own face, you can brush your own teeth, you can change your clothes, and you can tie your own shoes." Okay, you're out of here. 
Is that is that real? Is that realistic? You know, that's that's not realistic. You're, they weren't ready. And to think that we're gonna we're gonna go over there and train the troops. We're not gonna train the train the train the uh, Iraqis to protect themselves against ISIS. We have to do it for them. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be a, something that you're gonna learn in six months. Well, I mean, we're gonna have a little training class. We're gonna have some basic training. And we're gonna teach them to do this and teach them to do that. And then we're going. All right, go out there and go out there and kick some butt. Okay, so uh, let's uh, play one more one more clip. We don't have to settle for a world in chaos under an America that it shrinks from its responsibilities. We don't have to apologize for American exceptionalism or Western values. We don't have to accept slow growth that leaves behind the middle class, that leaves millions of Americans out of work. We don't have to settle for crumbling bureaucracies that target taxpayers and harm our veterans. We don't have to resign ourselves to debt, decay, and slow growth. We have the power to make things new again, to project America's strength again, and to get our economy going again. And that is exactly why today I am running for the presidency of the United States of America. You know, Rick Perry says our best days are still ahead of us, that we're resilient, we can do that. And you know what, I've said it many times of stuff that I've seen from uh, economists that what will the only thing that can turn this country around is oil. And uh, and we drill for oil. And they predicted, the, the Porter Stansberry, one of the uh, big economists out there, he predicted that uh, we would drill for oil and oil, and it would turn our whole country's economy around. And Barack Obama would have nothing to do with it, but he would. It would happen during his second term, and he would. And people would give him credit for it, and uh, then he'd find a way to get a th- uh, third term and change the laws for that. Uh, apparently, he's not that, as smart as anybody thought he was, or he just doesn't care about turning this country around because he doesn't love America. So, uh, so the so I'm excited about. Rick Perry's vision, but also Texas is a big oil state. They're not the only big oil state, but they're about the only big only oil state that's that's seizing the opportunities and turning their whole economy around. And their unemployment rate is very low, and their uh, is very low. Their their economy is great in in uh, in Texas, and they don't have any they don't have any state income tax. So that's a good thing. But listen, let's listen to a couple clips of what. The people were saying on uh, on Thursday when this was announced, let's listen to something they put on CNN. Rick Perry has always been a Texan, but he hasn't always been a Republican. This Eagle Scout met his future wife in elementary school. He spent five years in the Air Force and worked with his father in farming. But back then, he was a Democrat. He didn't join the GOP until 1989 after he already had been elected to the state legislature. After serving as state ag commissioner for nearly a decade, he worked as lieutenant governor under a guy by the name of George W. Bush. You may have heard of him. Bush went to Washington and Perry took over as governor in 2000. He stayed in office until 2015, a record. His first run for president ended with an oops. The third agency of government, yeah. I, would, I would do away with the education, uh, the uh, <laughs> commerce. I, I, commerce, and let's see... I can't. The third one, I can't. Sorry. (laughs) Oops. Perry jumped into the race while recovering from back surgery. He ended up dropping out to endorse Newt Gingrich. We all know how that ended up. But now Perry is a new man. New shoes, new glasses, new attitude, but no job. 
He's out of office and fighting charges of coercion and abuse of office in Texas. But that's not going to keep him from looking for a new job in a new town. Just so you know, just so you know, uh, his uh, his 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 indictment out there is because he had a uh, a particular uh, district attorney or uh, district attorney. I think it was a district attorney that got uh, in in some area of Texas that had control of uh, seven and a half billion or seven and a half million dollars of uh, of state funds for something and uh, and I guess that particular judge didn't realize that uh, that uh, that you're the brand and uh, got pulled over by uh, by Texas's finest uh, for drunk driving with a blood alcohol level uh, three times the legal limit. And uh, can and and uh, went forward on on police video and just made a fool of themselves. And um, I don't know if it's a he or she. I think it's a she, a she. Yeah. So she she made, she just went went crazy and just was disrespectful and said, you know what? Someone who who lets themselves do that, I'm I'm uh, I'm defunding. I don't. He vetoed something. He uh, took took away some. And they're trying to say he uh, overused his power. And uh, you know what? I want someone who has who has good uh, who has good judgment to say, "Hey, this is going on. We need to stop this. We need to move this person. We need to do that." You know, in uh, in Obama administration, if you uh, if you do something wrong, you just get promoted or moved to another uh, another department in a higher position, and you get a raise. Uh, on on uh, on Fox News, you had Greg Jarrett talking about uh, uh, with a guy named uh, Joe Lestingy. Let's hear what he said. You know, right. Joe. <laughs> His stumbling four years ago during a debate uh, was memorable. Yeah. It hurt him badly. We all recall an agonizing moment. He couldn't remember which federal agencies he was actually going to cut. And it really sank his candidacy there. How much of that do you think still haunts him? Uh, I think it haunts him greatly, actually. And in fact, when you look at this field uh, and all the members that are in it, I actually think there's a, a favorable chance that someone new is going to be the one that ends up on top of this. The, the people who have run before, they can't escape the history of, of their candidacies. And, and here's the thing, too. In today's age, with the Internet and the, the, the viral videos, that video will get played over and over and over again. And he can play it off and he can sort of chum it up about it. In the end, it is going to be something that hurts yeah. him because there will be other people out there attacking him on it. And whether or not it's fair doesn't matter. I mean, he's running to be the president. Those right. kind of foul up. Yeah. What about what Hillary Clinton's going to be running against? At this diff- at this point, what difference does it make? Or uh, don't be uh, 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 swayed into thinking that corporations create jobs. Uh, okay. What an idiot. Okay. Then uh, the next clip. There are two sides of an economy, number one. First off, let's talk about today's economy, where unemployment is the lowest it's been since 2008, I believe, um, or 2007, actually. So uh, I think there's some, there's some statements to be made. Someone needs to fact check on his end for that. Well, you know what? Uh, the unemployment rate at uh, lowest it's been, that's because we eliminated the people out of the job, out of the job pool. So people that aren't uh, looking for jobs or aren't getting any benefits, uh, they, just, they just take them out of the equation well, you're unemployed, but you still haven't found a job, but you don't count anymore. So uh, it's it's government lies to mani- manipulate things. It's the the current unemployment rate's really ten point eight. Let's go to the next clip. But Texas economy did did pretty well. It does really well when you don't have when you don't have regulations and you still have healthcare issues with kids there um, who have asthma. You have schools that are failing because there's no there's no revenue. 
There's no revenue. There's a ton of revenue. Say, hey, there's there's no regular things do good when there's no regulation. You're right. Get the government out of our life. The government's supposed to protect us from enemies and enforce the laws. And we have health care issues with kids with have asthma. Hey, hello. Uh, everybody, every kid that has asthma has a health care issue. And if you uh, have tried to use the health care system lately, I could, I could probably fill up four shows with what, have, what my wife and I have gone through just this year. Just this year. And I, haven't, and I talked about my knee a uh, couple weeks ago and what I went through on that. That's only a little piece of it. Um, and schools, schools, failing, schools failing, they went from 27th in the nation to second in the nation in, uh, in the people from in minorities graduating. I think it's just BS coming out of their mouth. Let's hear the next piece. They also have, by the way, one of the highest sales tax rates in the country. So, I mean, these are, there are things that in Texas uh, he can talk about, which I will give him credit for. He yeah. should get out and talk about those economic messages. The problem is, is that when you run into someone who's going to attack him on other issues going on in the state, he's going to have a, a back and forth. But maybe that's good. I mean, in the end, as a Democrat, I really don't have to worry about it too much right. because he's going to have to run on the primary within the primary right. of this, and the other Republicans you will bring he, it out. Morons! They have the highest, one of the highest state income, uh, sales taxes in the in the country. Well, there's the state sales tax in Texas is six and a quarter. And there's there's an additional use tax that some counties uh, implement that gets it up to eight and a quarter. Let me think. What's California's? Oh yeah, eight and a quarter in California. And what is the uh, and and here's here's something. No state sales tax in Texas, and they're still running their government and have the have a uh, balanced budget. What's wrong with that? Rick Perry's my guy right now. I don't see anybody else that can take it. I'd like to see maybe uh, Rick Perry with Carly Fiorina on the ticket. I think that would be a killer. And this is a guy with character, and he's a class act. And uh, I think uh, I think that his oops from uh, from four years are going to go away really fast. I had a few other things to talk about, but I am out of time, folks. So we'll get it next week. So uh, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I will be back again with you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.